Okay, Pastor Daniel, I got one question for you. Why is the Methodist church splintering? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I've got a million questions for you. Yeah. Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and I am here today with our senior pastor, Reverend Daniel Humbert. And uh, in the Life Plus God podcast, we are asking the big faith and life questions that keep us up. And uh, man, as a member of the United Methodist Church, uh, there's some weird stuff going on in the United Methodist Church over the past decade, maybe. More than that. That all feels like it's starting to come to a head. And so, uh, yeah, that's the big question we're exploring today. So, Daniel, could you kind of kick us off by giving us the elevator pitch of what's happening right now in the United Methodist Church? The elevator pitch. Well, uh, I don't know that I can do that well, but um, basically we had a general conference that I'll explain more in a minute um, that was supposed to happen in 2020. We usually have those once every four years. It was postponed because of COVID, and when it got postponed, some decisions that were on the horizon got postponed, and because of those postponements, We have a group of folks uh, who decided they don't want to wait anymore, and so they're going to create a new denomination, and that new denomination may have impact on the current United Methodist Church. We we will see. I guess we'll go straight into the General Conference. What is the General Conference, and why should I care? Yeah, well, (laughs) the first question's easier than the second question. So the the General Conference is the the denomination-wide meeting that um, has a thousand delegates, half lay, half clergy, that are elected by annual conferences, the local judicatory bodies. And this meeting happens, like I said, only once every four years. And the, the meeting, general, general conference, is the only organization that can speak on behalf of the denomination. And it is the organization that is charged with creating what we call the Book of Discipline. And the Book of Discipline is our book of procedure. It's our book. It's our constitution. It's our doctrine. Um, that book helps dictate how churches operate and, and, and how they proceed. So the General Conference becomes really important in that it makes all the decisions for the denomination that have, you know, that flow down to the annual conferences and then to the local churches. And the denomination has had issues since 1972 um, working on and trying to figure out how to address issues of human sexuality in particular. And so this is nothing new under the sun, but it's coming more and more to a head about, golly, what are we going to do about this and how are we going to proceed with regard to this? And so, you know, in the elevator pitch, when you mentioned, you know, there are a group of people who don't want to wait anymore and they're going their own way and creating their own denomination. Is it specifically over the book of discipline and human sexuality that they're choosing to do that? Or is it bigger? It is bigger. Um, that is what I refer to as the presenting issue, right? You go to a counselor and you present whatever is on your heart or head and what you're thinking about, but the reality is you discover when you're in therapy there's a whole bunch of other stuff really that one is dealing with, and that's the truth here. Uh, We're dealing with issues of biblical authority and what we understand that to mean. We're dealing with church structure and polity, which is, you know, the, the, the unfun stuff with regard to church, how we operate. Uh, and we're dealing with human sexuality. But the reality is there are a whole bunch of other things, particularly issues of uh, what we would refer to as either social issues or social justice issues and how we address those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people, their their first exposure to this uh, 
divide happening in the United Methodist Church is news outlets. And basically, the news outlets are saying things like the United Methodist Church is splitting in half. Uh, It's all about LGBTQ rights and um, how they are loved and embraced in the church and beliefs and and all of these things and uh, about money. and, And it's just, it's really difficult to hone in. So first, let me ask, is the United Methodist Church splitting in half? Thank you for asking that question. Is that what's happening? So the truth is no, the church is not splitting. It's not even splitting in half. Uh, There is a new denomination that's about to form as of May the 1st, and that new denomination is likely, obviously nobody knows till it actually happens, but uh, there are likely to be somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of United Methodist churches who decide they want to move into this new denomination. Um, That doesn't sound like splitting to me. That sounds like a group of people who are unsatisfied, who want to depart, and um, it may have um, less impact on the denomination than most people think. But I think this new denomination is called the Global Methodist Church, and they were started through an organization called the WCA, the Wesleyan Covenant Association. And the WCA was created, I don't remember when, but roughly a decade, maybe as long as 15 years ago. And it was created as a, as a um, caucusing group to the denomination or for the denomination. Caucusing groups are, you know, folks of like mind who want to uh, cause certain things to happen in an organization. And so the WCA was founded. Uh, it, it tried to have influence on the denomination. And about three years ago, they determined they actually wanted to create a new denomination, and they were going to do it through the processes of the General Conference. Well, when the General Conference got postponed in 2020 uh, to 2021 and then to 2022, and finally, of course, ultimately uh, postponed now to 2024, um, they got tired of waiting on the typical process, and they said, well, we're just going to now formulate this new denomination, incorporate, and, and make it happen. And best guess is that, again, somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of existing United Methodist churches are going to probably join that denomination. I think one of the things that feels really frustrating to me is how political all Mm. of this sounds. Using phrases like caucusing, I've heard people talk about lobbying uh, for the general conference, you know, all of these different things. It feels extremely bureaucratic and almost like a government. So for me, as a regular person, taking in all of this information, reading about all of the bureaucracy... Where is there hope for positivity in any of this? It, it, it all feels um, really heavy. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like the, the attitude of Christ, the, well, the entire setup. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, any church structure is political because politics is about power, right? And unfortunately, every church, every denomination uh, has power. And uh, for good sometimes, and unfortunately for bad sometimes. And so, unfortunately, with human, um, the human condition, uh, we're going to want our power to have influence over others. So that's what happens. We, we find ourselves at odds, and therefore we want to exert our power. And one way to do that is to create either a new bureaucracy or a new system. And uh, that's what's taking shape here. I, I think... If I were to be honest, I, I have to tell you, I, you know, I hate all that stuff. It's why I don't ever get involved at the general conference level. 
uh, because I happen to believe that where the boots hit the ground and where ministry happens is at the local church. And the local church, uh, while proudly United Methodist, Treach Memorial United Methodist is proudly United Methodist, we know there are faults with the denomination, just like there's faults with us as individuals and as a local church, uh, but we appreciate the denomination, we appreciate its witness and its purpose, and uh, we want to try to figure out ways to to uh, reform something that might not be at its best versus uh, how uh, you know how do we walk away? Mm-hmm. I, I think um, a part of our uh, sort of DNA as United Methodist in the Wesleyan tradition of John Wesley, he he referred to it as the Catholic Spirit, and the Catholic Spirit basically said, you know, we have different reference points and we have different understandings of how we can achieve our goal to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but ultimately that's our goal. And so in the Catholic spirit, John Wesley would say, let's figure out a way to get along to go along as long as we're helping to make new folks for Jesus and to help grow people in a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, is it that the global Methodist church decided they couldn't go along to get along anymore in the United Methodist? Um, Was that disappointing to you? It is disappointing because, again, our history demonstrates for, uh, you know, 250-plus years now that uh, we can figure out ways with a common goal to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We can do it in different ways, and we can meet people in different places, and we can help folks wherever they may be in their lives to come to know Jesus and to live for Him, right? Uh, And for whatever reason... Uh, this group of folks who believe that they need to leave in order to accomplish that feel like they can't do it within this particular forum. Um, This kind of schism or splintering or breakaway has only happened once before in this denomination in 1844, and that was over slavery. And um, that did not end well. It did not go well. And it took almost a, a century for us to reunite together back into what we would commonly call the Methodist Church. And um, that's what this feels like. It feels like um, this has very little to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with personal opinion about how I see the world and how I understand Scripture. And um, we as United Methodist Church hold and have a high regard for Scripture. We recognize it as foundational to who we are. Um, and it's the basis point for all the decisions and choices and ways that we live. And in particular, we highlight Jesus' teachings himself, right? And we say, whatever Jesus said, man, let's do that. Whatever Jesus calls us to, let's do that. We may do it in different ways, but let's do it uh, the way Jesus is calling us to do it. I know that um, it is bigger than sexuality, but that is kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, it, it feels like. So what is the difference in stance between the United Methodist Church and the Global Methodist Church? What was that straw for human sexuality? Well, um, I'm not sure I could give you a definitive answer, but I think uh, in the United Methodist Church, you know, our Book of Discipline states that uh, we cannot ordain gay clergy or we cannot conduct, conduct marriages of uh, homosexual or lesbian uh, persons. And so uh, that's currently in our book of discipline. Now, uh, people who want, to leave the G- who want to leave the UMC to go to the GMC have said, 
that's not enforced. We have circumstances where those weddings are taking shape. We have circumstances where ordination has taken shape, and, and therefore it's not being enforced. And so for, for them, it appears, um, we, number one, clearly, we don't want to ordain gay clergy. We don't want to uh, conduct weddings for LGBTQ folks. Uh, we, uh, we will, in fact, part of GMC also will say, if a clergy conducts a wedding, uh, they will automatically be dis, um, disbarred, if you will, or, or have their orders removed. There will be no due uh, process for them. Likewise, if a church allows that to happen, then the church can become disaffiliated from the GMC. In the United Methodist Church, we, we golly, we don't uh, take such harsh stances. We say, man, maybe maybe churches could look at their own individual mission fields, and, and if they need to have... Um, uh, weddings or ordination, maybe we ought to explore the possibility. Maybe we ought to let local churches make those decisions. Now, none of that has been formalized in the UMC, but there are ongoing conversations with regard to that. And so that's a part of that distinction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know that, um, oh man, when was the last general conference? 2018? 2016 was a formal one, and then a called one was in 2019. 2019, and that was around the that language right. in the Book of Discipline. And um, there were people saying, hey, that needs to be struck from the B- Book of Discipline entirely. There are people saying the language needs to be updated based right. on what you were saying. And then there were the people who I'm guessing were representing uh, the Wesley Covenant Association, which formed the global Methodist church saying, no, it needs to be stricter. It needs to be. Um, so basically what it sounds like to me is in the United Methodist church, we're continuing to wrestle with this language and trying to figure out, um, inclusion of sexuality as part of our understanding of spirituality and being called by God and, you know, all of these things. And the global Methodist church said, we're not willing to wrestle with that. And the fact that y'all are wrestling with that tells me we don't share the same values. That's correct. And so, um, as a, for instance, at the 29 general conference, uh, 2019, I'm sorry, General Conference, you know, what was known as the One Church Plan did not pass, but the One Church Plan basically said, let local churches make determinations about whether or not they want to have um, gay weddings or not, right? And let annual conferences determine whether or not they're going to ordain gay clergy. And so, um, and, and those who don't want to do it won't, and those who do want to do it will, and golly, can, can we not coexist together? And I think that's the um, for me personally, that's a part of what I cherish about the United Methodist Church is the willingness to say both of these can coexist together and, and we'd be all right. And, and I happen to believe Jesus would be honored in all of that because, um, you know, Jesus loved people as they were no matter who they were. And I think that's uh, where the UMC stands, and I'm not convinced that's where the GMC stands. Mm-hmm. So... Do you think that the UMC is considered a progressive or liberal denomination as opposed to a conservative denomination? Well, number one, I think labels are never helpful. I I think that the United Methodist Church is very scriptural in the way in which it conducts itself and that it, from its founding, believed that scripture was foundational to how we operate and how we understand ministry. So if you want to call that progressive, by golly, call it progressive. If you want to call that conservative, call it conservative. But um, uh, I, 
I, I just think that uh, when we recognize that we employ the Scriptures as a starting point and it helps guide everything that we do, and that we also enliven it by the teachings of the Church and our intellect and our experience, I golly, if the Holy Spirit's not still at work, we might as well shut down anyway, right? And if the Holy Spirit's still at work, that means our experience has impact in how we understand and render Scripture. And if God is not still revealing, uh, then by golly, uh, we ought to shut down as well. I believe God's still revealing. I believe there are prophets among us even today, and if they, if they are not, then we're not being faithful to Scripture. But if, with, if the Holy Spirit's still at work, and if um, God is still revealing, and if God, God's prophets are still a part of our work and ministry today, then we ought to continue to see Scripture in new and different ways, even though it's still the same Scripture and has the same authority. Hmm. So you said maybe like tw- 10 to 20% uh, of the churches currently in the United Methodist Church. And is that just in America or is that worldwide we see people joining the global Methodist Church? Well, uh, so the United Methodist Church is a global denomination. Right. There's almost 13 million adherents across uh, almost every continent. Uh, and so... Yeah, this will there be churches from across the globe doing this? There will be. And that's why they would call themselves the Global Methodist Church, because they believe they're a global um, denomination. So how do churches decide to join the GMC? Um, Is it something that congregants vote on or pastors decide on or a leaderboard says this is something we want? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, there is a process in place uh, at the the called General Conference of 2019, set aside a paragraph in the Book of Discipline that allowed for a process of what's called disaffiliation. And disaffiliation um, is a process, number one, of discernment for the local church. Uh, it does involve the, the elected leadership of the church and then a church-wide uh, decision if a church chooses to do that. But I just have to own that no church is required to make a decision, either whether they want to stay United Methodist or whether they want to become a part of another denomination, whether GMC or otherwise. No church is required to do that. Uh, our church has no intention right now of voting about this. We, w- we simply want to say, uh, we're United Methodist currently, we believe in the United Methodist structure, and we believe we're just going to continue to to. Um, perpetuate that ministry. Uh, but yeah, disaffiliation takes a three-quarter vote of a congregation. It also requires that the local church pay two full years of their apportionments. That's a whole nother deal, but that's that's money we pay towards the general church, plus any obligations for unfunded liability on the pension fund. Now, going back to the money stuff... <laughs> It's always, always comes I know. down to the money. I read it in an article. It was uh, a USA Today article from when this first started coming out um, that the United Methodist Church will be paying the global Methodist Church to start their denomination. Um, and in this article, it said $25 million. I don't know where they would have gotten that number from. But is that true? It, is there some myth busting that needs to happen here? Well, yes and no. So as a part of the 2020 General Conference that got postponed, there was I'll simply call a protocol, and it was arrived at by a collection of folks who used an arbitrator to help guide them into the protocol, and the protocol has all kinds of components to it, 
one of which included a $25 million payment to a group of folks who would then in turn create this global Methodist church. Because the 2020 conference never happened, that protocol has never been approved, and so that is not the case. It is not reality, and it is highly unlikely that even though that protocol will be presented at whatever future general conference happens in 2024, it's highly unlikely to be approved. And therefore, if it's not approved, that $25 million doesn't exist anymore. So looking to the 2024 general conference, is this all going to come up all over again in 2024? Or since the Global Methodist Church is basically saying, hey, we're taking our dog out of the fight, we're going off and doing our own thing, does that just put it to rest? Yeah, uh, this is the United Methodist Church and nothing ever sits at rest. So um, will it look differently in 2024? I believe it will. In terms of how it all falls out, yeah, it'll look differently. But again, um, the because a denomination will have already been created, then many of the instrumental components of that protocol will no longer be necessary, will no longer be valuable, right? And therefore... Again, it's highly unlikely to to pass, though I feel confident it will be presented, uh, though even that's in uh, some dispute, because here's the, here's the, um, uh, the troubling or, or difficult part about this postponement. Currently, all we're saying is that the 2020 delegates and the agenda for the 2020 General Conference were postponed and will take place in 2024. What that means is everything that was on deck to be discussed then will be on deck. Uh, what's uh, being determined as we speak through what's called the Judicial Council, which is the Supreme Court of the United Methodist Church, is whether this postponement equals literally that, is it every everything from the 2020s just being pushed out to 2024, or will this actually become the 2024 General Conference, which was to be slated anyway, to happen anyway? but it will have differently elected delegates because it's another general conference, and it will have a different undetermined uh, agenda. So until the Judic Judicial Council rules on that, we make the assumption it's the 2020 conference postponed with the same delegates and, and, and uh, agenda. My gut tells me, that's all I can tell you, my gut tells me the Judicial Council is going to say, hey, golly, let's just write off the 2020 general conference. It, it didn't happen in 2020 or 21 or 22. We normally have one in 2024 anyway. Let's just have a new general conference, and that will look very different if that's the case. Okay. So how is what the Global Methodist Church is doing affect the United Methodist Church, and should we be worried about a ripple effect? I know right now you're saying, hey, estimate is 10 to 20 percent. Are we expecting that to grow and more people to decide to leave? Well, I, I don't know that I can answer that. I, personally, I do not expect that to grow. I think any organization, n whether nonprofit, church, service, corporate, any organization that is started out of disgruntlement doesn't usually have a good success rate. And what's interesting is some of the churches who are determining for themselves that they no longer want to be United Methodist it's currently, right now, it's currently almost a 50-50 split between those who are wanting to become GMC and those who just want to become independent or other Wesleyan-related denominations. So um, 
to me, that speaks volumes, right? So even among churches who are thinking about exiting the UMC, they're not all thinking about becoming a part of the GMC. They're thinking about going out on their own or becoming another kind of church or denomination. I mentioned seeing some things in headlines and news stories. Are there any myths that you've encountered about this whole splintering of the Methodist church that you'd like to address right here and now and just put it to rest? I think we've done some of that already, but a a part of it is um, this is not as complicated as people think. I don't think it's as big a deal as people think. And I believe that the United Methodist Church has a phenomenal track record of being faithful to Scripture and being faithful to to the witness of the gospel and faithfulness to helping reach new people, and we can do it differently. I mean, that's the beauty of who we are. And so um, uh, I guess some other myths that we've already sort of addressed, but just to make sure we're clear, no, no clergy can make a decision for a church about whether they're going to stay or go. That is a church-wide decision. Number two, no church is forced to make a decision either to stay or to go. That's a choice that the church can choose to do. Uh, And and number three, I think um, the Global Methodist Church was started and will be created out of a concern that they believe they are— Uh, they disapprove and don't appreciate the way the United Methodist Church operates, and that's their primary premise for being created. I don't think any organization that's created out of that kind of premise will be be successful because it's all about what we're against, not what we're for. And so um, I don't want to be a part of an organization that simply constantly seems to be about what I'm against than what I'm for. Why is all of this happening now? Why is all of this coming to a head now? Did did we ignore it and it grew and this kind of resentment grew or um is it because of the pandemic? Like what what is bringing this all out of like okay, cuz it felt really sudden but also drawn out at the same time of I know this has been going on for a long time but I think it was maybe a month ago that they said okay May 1st is the date we're forming our own church and that seemed to feel sudden to yeah, me yeah well I think it was sudden in that regard right they they had been saying uh, for now almost 3 years we will be or we want to be forming a denomination, but we want to we want to do it within the guidelines or the structure, if you will, of the United Methodist Church. Well, when that structure, i.e. the General Conference, kept getting postponed, um, obviously at some point they said, golly, I, we don't, you know, we, we waited a year, then we waited two years, and now we've waited three years. And since General Conference is going to be two more years out, um, we don't want to wait two more years. We waited three years. We don't want to wait five years. So then it did become sudden. Um, But it's only sudden in that they set a date alternatively to what they'd been talking about. Because it was, I mean, the reality is it was all but done already, right? They'd already formed incorporating articles. They'd already formed a book of, I forget what it's called, book of... um, Doctrine and Discipline, I think, is the book, and um, they'd already formulated how it was going to take shape. So rather than wait two years, they just said, May 1, this is when we're doing it. So it's a bit of a conglomeration of both, hey, it's been in process for a while, but now we're just going to set a date. 
All right. Well, today we talked about everything at a really high level. We didn't really talk about anything that um, this splintering means for this church, Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. And there's a reason for that. Mm. Um, When it comes to community conversation about this church, we prefer to do it in person where we can have conversations and questions and answers. And we know that this is a very... uh, sentimental and intimate uh, conversation that needs to happen among the church family. So with that in mind, I'd like to invite y'all to come to one of our uh, info gatherings that we're having in the coming weeks. And you can go to tmumc.org slash gatherings. If you want to learn more about what this means for this church specifically. Uh, But other than that, are there any parting thoughts you want to leave us with, Daniel? Uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation. And uh, I maintain since the day I got here and certainly even to this day that ministry happens at the local church and it's at the local church level for Treach that we say our whole purpose is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're going to be about no matter what may come. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.